Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt. His name is Chase, and we have one simple goal. Bring you the outdoors when you yourself can't be out there. So that's what we're doing today. Today's going to be the final episode of the Lessons of the Fall series where we go back and find people who have been on the podcast before, who have talked deer tactics, who get it done on a fairly routine basis, and we're asking them for the minutiae, the the nuanced lessons that they learned from the past year. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. But uh, before we get to that, as we sit here today, we are 27 days away from turkey season chase are, are you feeling the bug like what's going on in your world man Where, wh- where's your mind at <laughs> yeah i just started uh thinking about it a little bit uh, the other day i'm fixing to go put out some cameras uh to maybe catch some turkeys in in some historical areas and probably fixing to go out and start listening in the morning times just to uh maybe get some birds pinned down or at least going out and maybe uh f- trying to find some uh, strut areas so my, my mind has kind of officially, it's gone from deer season <laughs> uh, for the most part. And mm-hmm. I'll still be doing some scouting for deer while I'm turkey hunting. Uh, uh, d- as I've said before, deer's my passion. Uh, I, I like to turkey hunt, uh, but I, I've, if I had to choose one, I would choose deer uh, every day, all day. But uh, <laughs> I'm still, I still really like turkey hunting, and I think it's more about just the the camaraderie, being able to hunt with people, having a good mm-hmm. time, and getting to hear a bird gobble. So if I can get those things during turkey season, I, I'm happy as can be. Yeah, that's right, man. So we're on obviously different spectrums. I would pick turkey over deer almost any day of the week, but. The good news is that means we bring you all fair and balanced content right now as we approach turkey season. We're still talking about deer. Uh, this episode is is a really good one. I, I think uh, there's some interesting lessons that are shared here that are quite unique. We haven't heard them before, and I think it's going to be a fun one. We're, we're speaking with Greg Litzinger, who is an awesome guy. In fact, he was the first public land 
uh, podcast that we ever did way back in July of 2017, um, which is just remarkable that we've been on the air for that long. Uh, thank you guys for <laughs> indulging us that entire period. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a fun episode. We're getting close to turkey season. You and I have a turkey hunt planned. Um, this will be the first I think this is true. This will be the first hunt that you and I will be filming for each other. That's got to be true, right? Yeah, yeah, the first film for sure. Yeah, yeah. How about it? And that's going to be a, a, a Patreon-supported event. All the funds that were are used for creating that content came straight from Patreon. You know, we guys, we, we talk all the time about how you guys help us do more. We're always going to be doing this podcast. Chase and I really enjoy the conversations. I'm sure our wives enjoy the break from us as well. But, uh, you know, we've been spending a lot of money on camera gear, getting set up so that we can go out and document some of these adventures. And so this will be the first time uh, that the adventure as a whole will be brought to you by Patreon. So thank you for all the people who who choose to sign up every year. Um, I, I, I it blows me away. We still have people signing up right now. And uh, for about 15 cents a day, if you want to sign up and support the podcast and help us travel with travel costs and go to do these different uh, hunts and bring it to you, check it out. We do we do all kinds of giveaways. Like right now, we're giving away the Alps Outdoor Turkey Vest with uh, some custom calls from Longbeard Life, which should be ready as I'm recording this in about a couple days. I talked to Josh the other day. Um, I, I'm really excited about it. And that's just one of the ways that we say thanks to you guys for, for supporting the show. Um, it, it, it just helps us do more. You know, I'll be honest with you guys. That's what it does. So uh, huge shout out. In fact, we've got some shout outs to give. How about that? Joseph Bratt, Patrick Coy, Ricky Bullard, and Walter Schubert. Thank you all for, uh, for tuning in. How about this, Chase? All four of those are from Florida. Oh, wow. That's cool. How about it, man? Jacksonville, Port, Port, uh, Newport Ritchie, Orange Park, and Panama City. Dude, that's cool. Yeah, that's a good little range there. <laughs> How about it, man? We got the whole we're, we're locking down this state. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we're from, so yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I guess it'd be an indictment if we couldn't figure it out, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, um, and before I blabber on indefinitely, which you guys know I am prone to do, we're gonna go ahead and send you to the show. Thanks for everything that you guys do. Thanks for tuning in, and we got some spring turkey content coming your way soon. Ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing to you what may be the final series of the Lesson of the Fall uh, mini-series where we look back on the things that uh, previous guests have learned in the previous season. And I, I reached way back, way, way, way back in the archive of the podcast trying to find just that, that, that real unique dude that hunts an area that most people don't talk about. And it dawns on me. That going all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, July 2nd of 2017, we had a guest on named Greg Litzinger. And the dude is a legend now. He's climbed through the ranks. He is a hard, hard-working dude uh, from the, the from the northeast uh, portion of the United States. Dude, thank you for taking time to to sit with us here on a Sunday morning. This, is, this has to be the earliest podcast we've ever recorded. Yeah, that's good. I've... I've uh... Yeah, it is kind of early for me as well. Uh, you got to get get in where you fit in, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I reached out and said, hey, man, can I have some of your time? And you said Sunday morning and, uh, you know, at 9 o'clock. And, All right, let's rock, man. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll send it. <laughs> yeah, this is that life full effect right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So Greg, Greg Hales from New Jersey. Um, he hunts probably some of the most, like, fascinating public land because it seems like you can bait everywhere. The pressure's really high. Um, it, it's not an area that I think of for big bucks and yet you hustle really hard to get on them, dude. Um, and, and I really enjoy following along because you're really transparent the entire time. Yeah. You know, it's a, I've been fortunate. Uh, some people say lucky, but just fortunate. You know, I, uh, I'm a stubborn individual and I've taken me 20 years to taste success on a big deer. So I, I like, you know, the old, I paid my dues of, of shooting dinks <laughs> and, and missing and doing everything wrong. And it took me 19 years to shoot, you know, a, a 120 inch deer. So it didn't come easy for me by any means. No, no, for sure. It might look that, it looks like way, it looks like that way to some people now, but, um, it has, it's, a, it's a lot of, uh, lonely, lonely. Fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think anybody who pays attention uh, would ever think that you don't hustle hard, and it hasn't been a, a long journey. I mean, you went on a you went on a drought there for like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but wasn't it like three years that you went on a drought? Yeah, it was uh it was three years. Yeah, I had two seasons where it was one season I didn't see nothing worth shooting. It was awful. Um, another one I I let a I couldn't get him on film. One hundred and forty inch ten. He was, I could have shot him, but when I was filming a lot, everything was had to be on film or it didn't count mentality. And I regret that decision because it took me 10 years to get a deer that big, nine years, nine seasons uh, in that salt marsh to get on a deer that big. And to let him walk, kind of, I left a bad taste in my mouth as far as self-filming. So I kind of tapered off of filming for a little bit because I'm like, I, I can't, you know, I don't get paid to film. So it's like, yeah. And I always told myself, because I was, I was lucky self-filming. I never, I got four or five bucks on film. It was so easy. There was no mistakes. They come in, get on film, and it was like, wow, this is easy. And then it was like the old black cloud. It was just like the camera was just like sticking it to me every time out. I'm like, I got to put this thing away because it, it was making hunting not fun. So I put the camera away and got back to basics and, you know, and, I think this year I'm going to film a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, it's, droughts happen to me. I've three years, and I've gone, like, I think before that was five years without shooting a buck. Or, and that was when I wasn't shooting bigger deer. I was just shooting any like any bucks. So there's been a lot of years where you're just doing everything wrong, and you just, just it's awful, but that's just nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah. It sure is. Well, speaking of things gone wrong, this podcast is about last year, and maybe not in things that went wrong, but uh, kind of looking back retrospectively and, and saying, what could I have done differently? So is there anything right out the, the, the gate that you want to talk about? Yeah, I would. Um, my summer scouting last year really left a bad taste in my mouth at the beginning of the season. Um, I didn't get anything on camera. And I put all my eggs in the camera intel instead of doing what I do best is more kind of, you know, the old freelance stand on my back mentality and just find hot sign and hunt it. 
I relied too much on my cameras throughout the summer, and is it, it was a little a little tough to get going early season because it's like I don't there's nothing with cameras no nothing worth big enough you know worth shooting, and it yeah. And I need to get away from that. Like, I'll put cameras out. If nothing's there, I know the bucks are there, you know. I just need to go, you know, do what I do best is, is, is use my, you know, what I'm seeing, you know, personally. Cameras are nice. Don't get me wrong. They do serve a purpose. Uh, but some of the areas I hunted last year, those are great acorn drops. So deer were everywhere. So I kind of got stuck. I, I got to hunt this bed or, or, or this you know, travel corridor because this is what they're going to be doing. No, that was just awful. And then once I kind of like pulled my head out of my ass, basically, um, I ended up killing my first buck because uh, coming in, hot sun, big fresh scrape, it's middle of October, I'm like, this scrape's early. I'm going back to this bed. And I remember walking past all this hot sun, acorns, and, and going past it and like, oh, what are you, an idiot? I'm like, go back. And I literally went back and climbed up. I'm like, sorry, scrape. I walked all in it, you know, and I climbed up. and ended up, you know, seeing, you know, a fight, a Vol 5 Texas-style fight. You know, I ended up shooting a buck. It was it was great. So I was like, all right, cameras, they serve a purpose. But I do better, you know, on the hoof, so to speak, you know, on the fly. I hear you. Yeah, that makes sense. I, Chase, Chase and I talk a lot about how we utilize trail cameras here, but I think I think it's it's incredibly valuable not to live and die by them. Yeah, especially it's, it's a double-edged sword. If, you, if the acorn crop, the, the areas I was hunting, I mean, it was extreme. Food was everywhere. So the bedding, not a lot of pressure because it's a you know a thousand acre piece. There's ten people hunting it, but there's food everywhere, you know, acorn wise and, and date pile wise. So the deer were just, you know, it, the human pressure wasn't there for them into like those beds they might be in, you know, come October usually. You know, if you got any uh, a section of woods that's you know a couple acres with acorns, that's gets pressured by people, you know, and, and deer, and you know the deer will get into uh, you know the little pressured bedding. But this year was the exact opposite. Food, there were great browse. You know, it was uh, should have some really good deer next year because a lot of good food. You know, hopefully. Yeah. How okay? So going back to what you said though, if you already know the deer are there, are you using trail cameras to? Uh, just identify mature deer or yeah 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 i was looking for you know that one of them bucks that make you go "Hmm, all right and that's new for me as well because uh, i mean every deer that i've killed i don't i don't think i have a picture of my trail camera so it's like (laughs) uh, like i'll get them and like i'll hunt them and i'll I'll see them but i never really kill them you know so most of my deer are deer i've never seen before you know, and they're there, just, I mean, a trail camera, unless you're, like, Jersey with all the bait piles. You know, so deer, you know, that it can be tricky, you know, to set up on a trail because they, that deer might, you know, come come on that trail twice a week, you know, once a week or whatever, you know, throughout the season. So unless you're, like, over a scrape, you know, or something like that, or, like, a rub line, you know, or, like, right outside of a, a known bedding area, I don't get a lot of buck pictures. You know, I was just looking for like that mega giant, like one of the ones that makes, makes you want to get out of bed a little bit earlier. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah he, he's big enough. And this year I didn't get any good camera pictures until middle of what, November, you know, like they were just, I think this food was just so good 
and the two areas I pretty much focus on, just food everywhere. So the deer were just almost like mountain deer. They're just roaming free, you know, like no rhyme or reason. They're just, they're just, you know, going walk about. So it's kind of hard to narrow one down. So next year I won't make that mistake, you know, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> That's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's always it's one thing to know in your gut that there's a big one there, but then when you can lay there at night and you're and you're thinking about where you're going, oh, maybe I won't go in the morning, maybe I'll go in the afternoon. You can scroll through those photos and be like, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm going after and, that uh, dude. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and in one spot I found a, two good sheds last year. That place was a ghost town this year. Nothing, cameras, uh, eight or nine cameras, and I have one decent deer, like maybe 120. But that place, either they had a great shotgun year the year before and mowed a lot of them deer down, you know, or food pressure. Like, I don't know. I didn't get, I didn't get a lot of people in cameras. I, I didn't see a lot of bird hunters or anything. It was just an off year. So I spent some time down there, um, which was not a good idea because, you know, known buck areas were just rubs weren't there, scrapes were there. So I wasted some time, you know, wasted a few sits sitting there when hindsight I knew better, but you always go that Hail Mary, like, yeah, this is the day. This is going to happen. How big are these tracks that you're hunting, Greg? Um, I've really gotten away from the smaller ones. Like, if it's not, you know, 800 to, you know, 5,000, like, the one piece is like four or 5,000 acres total. And my notion, you know, my thought behind that is, if that buck is living there, say in the middle of that, odds are he's spending 75, 80% of his time there on that piece. You know, if you got a little 100 acre piece, he's not living on a 100 acre piece. You know, you're dealing with bird hunters, rabbit hunters. So I've really gravitated towards the, the bigger marshes, the bigger big woods um, sections. Because you're getting seen, if you're seeing them or getting pictures of them, you know, or the signs in the deep middle of that, odds are he's spending a good amount of time on public. And you actually got a chance to kill him like more than a few days, you know, out of the season. Like, oh, hot dough, a buck goes in there, it's a little 100 acre piece, and then he's gone, you know, once fucking November 1st hits. So I'm trying to expand my options of getting numerous encounters of a deer or a bigger deer. Um, hasn't paid off yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just yeah. curious. You know, there's so much, you know, pressure from people, and we got a long season, you know, and you got a small piece, you get our season starts second week of September all the way to the end of January. Like, this deer just hammered, like, for a long time, and they're smart and they're crafty. And if you can't get on some early season in a small acres piece, odds are he's going to come back through there during the rut once or twice, but it's just, it's not consistent enough for me to say, hey, uh, uh, I, I want to sit here like all season long waiting for that one deer because, well, that's not very cost effective uh, use of my time. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, do you leave cameras on them small pieces still? Yeah, yeah, I, I still do. Like, there's a few pieces that the the state of plant beans, and the first week you probably have an opportunity at a deer. Um, first ten days. And then usually it's gone, um, not necessarily pressure-based, but acorns are dropping across the street on the private, and deer are out of that bean field like later, you know. They're going into beans at dark, and then they'll show up 
you know, 25th of October, cruising around looking for does. You know, and then by like middle of October, they're gone. Like a middle of November, you don't see them ever again. So the small pieces do, they can pay off, but everything has to line up perfectly. Like all the ducks got to be in a row. Like boom, 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 boom. If one thing's not in line, it's not happening. You know, I think a lot of people that hunt small woodlots probably can attest to that too. Like in the Midwest, like there are certain time frames when bucks just roll through. And if you're not in the woods, those three days that he's through there, like, you know, and he's like lost for the season, basically. How do how do you balance that? Because my first thought is like, if you have all these small pieces and you're running trail cameras, how are you like? Are you are you just kind of like throwing darts at the at the map, basically on where you've had activity in the past, or? Yes, you know, like I'll, I'll scout them, and like the the small pieces are neat because they're they're quick to scout. Four hours, you pretty much scout the whole thing, and. You look at the rubs, like, all right, rubs are still there, scrapes still there, and you pop in, you know, around middle of August, and usually you can kick a, kick a buck up or, you know, put a camera, you can check something in the bean field. But, uh, yeah, pretty much it's historical data, you know. Uh, and I don't really do, on the small pieces, I mean, I've done it a few times where I've had some success, like randomly driving down the road to see a, a, a you know, hunting sign, eh, fuck it. I'm going to hunt here. And you see a deer, oh, man, this is great, and you never see a buck after that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had that a few times where it's like you hit it just right. You're like, oh, man, this place is going to be on fire. Nope, not, it's not on fire. It's the exact opposite. It's ice cold. I was just there when that buck had to come through that day. <laughs> That's funny, man. So, so it's it's basically educated guessing, but you're not investing too much time in one area. Like, if you how many times yeah. how many times before you quit hunting it? Like now, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm old and smart, kind of. <laughs> I'll give it like like two two or three sits. Gotcha. I'm out. You know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I'd hunt the shot. Like I would just keep at it because I'm like, he's gonna come here sooner or later. Yeah. And they never <laughs> So it's like, <laughs> and when it, it's not too bad when I was single and I have like time to waste, but like now being, you know, a dad, a husband, like the time is like, I literally have to be selective when I'm in the woods. And as most, some of your listeners know, like I'm not a very good rut hunter. And it's funny now that I'm a dad and a husband, like I've become becoming a better rut hunter because my odds are increased certain times of the year and usually that's late october november so it's like i've kind of transitioned from a early season killer to a november killer because my odds are increased because i'm not sitting in the woods every day after work you know like i'm losing that that time in the woods to all right i got these three days to hunt okay because even if i take a week off of work i'm not hunting some sundown like that's i can't you know unless i'm like going like locally like all right i'll hunt in the morning here all right, Wednesday, I'll hunt in the evening. So even if I take a week off, I'm not hunting full days, half a day here, you know, a couple hours there. So rut hunting when you're mar- married with kids, <laughs> <that's>, uh, <laughs> seems to be where it's at. <laughs> yeah, I could see that for sure. I, yeah, I, I find I find that I am, I am 100% a rut hunter, but that's just because I'm a noob. And so like, I hedge my bets for yeah. when I think they might be moving. But Exactly, and... And some areas too, like um, you know, it, if you don't have the time to invest in, you're like October hunting's great, 
if you can be in the woods every couple of days because the food's changing, the pressure's changing. You know, like when I was having my success in late September, early October, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was, I was learning in the woods like every two days. So you can, you know, as you're hunting, you know, the, the hot sign, like, all right, you, 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 got, you got almost time to scout, like break it down in the section. Right? I'm going to push in a little bit, hunt this spot. All right, nothing moving on. I'm going to go hunt this spot. And you can narrow it down pretty well. Like you see, you know, the, like the hunting public, those guys, they do a pretty good job with that. Go to a new piece, they got seven days to hunt, and they break it down in little quadrants. Hunt here, hunt here, you know, and then you they have success towards the end of the hunt because they're scouting and, and hunting all these eyes and they can do things, you know, but the weekend warriors, that's, that's very hard for us to do. Um, people that only got, you know, Saturday or in some States only allow Sunday hunting. So if you got Saturday, like that's, that's difficult, man. Yep. And that's, that's pretty much me. Chase and I have stark differences. I'm the, I'm the weekend warrior right now. Uh, chase, chase hunts probably what three, four times a week. Uh, yeah, sometimes, well, this past year I didn't, but in, in the past, yeah. yeah, I've been able to swing that, uh, especially when, uh, I know the time's right. Um, but even early season, if I have a specific deer or something I'm going after, then yeah, I can kind of be on his heels, so to speak a lot more as opposed to just hunting on a Saturday and then really no Intel again until the next Saturday and then the deer's gone. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, I mean, that's a lot of hunters, a lot of problems hunters face. And that's in New Jersey, like we can hunt Sundays. And that's probably only been in about 10 years or so, maybe a decade we've been allowed to do that. And it's been a game changer, you know, for me because it gives you the extra time in the woods, you know, because for a long time we worked two jobs. So I didn't really have a lot of time, you know, afternoon here or, or weekends. So, it, it was nice. It was allowing you another day of actually hunting and not scouting because I couldn't tell you how many bucks I've seen on Sundays before we allowed to hunt when you're walking through the woods scouting. And you're like, 30 <laughs> bucks in, and you're like, awesome. Thanks. What's up? I'll never see you again. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so did the, the deer educate you to any new patterns? Did you find any new uh, areas that they're using that kind of stumped you or maybe you weren't expecting them to? Uh, this year, the one, uh, you know, it's a big salt marsh section, and they had this primary scrape. I was hit for 15 years. Big rub, big scrapes. Well, they had a windstorm that went through, one of our summer windstorms, and it pretty much decimated this area. The scrape was still there, but... Now there's all this cover around the scrape. The scrape was a big open spot. And I ran cameras for about three years, and I got a lot of day walkers. And this year, I was like, I'm going to hunt it. I'm going to shoot one of these whoppers. You know, because last year I had, you know, probably 140, 150-inch, like nine and ten-pointers coming in, like beautiful, big deer. And this year, blowdowns pretty much destroyed that. Because I don't know if they felt not, they felt, you know, like they were in danger, being real tight in that cover. Like, I don't know, usually, but it's so far away from human presence, you know, like they don't need to walk in cover because it's, I mean, it's out there. Like it's, it's, a, it's a mile uh, as per onyx. It's one point, what, one, seven miles. And that's usually you're going here, making a left, going like these islands, they get to paint the ass to get to. But those deer abandoned that. I ran a camera, I ran two cameras on that, you know, big island, nothing. And 
I was uh, scouting. I went to pull, you know, check the camera, and hundred few times like nothing. So I pulled the camera right before gun season, and I did did like a loop, and they were literally on the next island over. It's a significantly smaller, but it's wide open. Scrapes everywhere, rubs everywhere, and they literally just shifted over into open spot. And I'm like, so weird. Like I was like, I couldn't believe it that they literally completely abandoned something they used for 15 years, you know, and just went over because of all these blowdowns. Like I don't know if I still don't know why. Like I I I have no idea why. When when did the but blowdowns now, occur? Man, June. Probably like May, June, July, we had some wicked storms through here. And big pines, I mean like big mature pines, you know, like the 80-footers. Right, right. You know, and just big oak trees fell down, and it's just crazy. Uh, maybe it's food, maybe like the oak trees weren't there. I, I don't really know. I wonder, just, if, uh, I wonder if all that sunlight hitting the forest floor created a bunch of new brows. And so it shifted maybe. the use. Yeah, it's... To, I'll probably never know why. Yeah. It's like you, they literally just shifted over, and it's like, and everything that was on the big, the big island just transferred over to the small island. Big rubs, you know, like, you know, big tall rubs, big scrapes, scrapes everywhere, like big chunks of reeds everywhere, and you're like, huh. So I sat there, I think I hunted it three times, and I seen a doe. That was it. Those of you, like, on camera, they get some random does going there, but all the bucks were like, later. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> it might be like, you know, it could be a visual thing. Like they liked, maybe they always bedded close to that scrape. They bedded on it and they could see it through it, like a visual smelling thing. Uh, I don't really know. Because not unless the doe shifted over there, you know, that the the bucks would go over that way or uh, you know, maybe the, some of the deer got killed or uh, who knows. I'll probably never know. <laughs> <laughs> I know where I'll be next year. Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't really matter, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. That's that's fascinating. Well, yeah, that's one of the the things that was like a a head stretch for me this year. Like, huh, I still don't understand. And usually you get a good indication of why deer are making changes, pressure people, like, but it's like nothing. Some blowdowns, and deer are like, peace out. And you're like, you think more cover would be great. More buses coming through there, I feel safer. But I think they're so far removed from human pressure that maybe they don't want to walk through that thick stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe, I, it, maybe it, it's turning in. Maybe it's turning in Iowa or something. I don't know. <laughs> I. It's funny because I hunted a lot of area that was hurricane damaged three years ago. Um, like the cat that Hurricane Michael came through and just literally killed every tree and. Um, the deer use it in a way that I just don't expect them to. I mean, they just, you know, you have, you have blowdowns and everything. So there's like a fair amount of good cover, but it's not thick. Like I would expect it to be. And those deer were moving through there broad daylight, just browsing, moving through, bedding up against a blowdown, you know, browsing through and and, and bedding again. It was really remarkable. I'd, I'd be interested to touch base with you in the coming years and see if, um, see if they don't like shift back again to uh, those islands because that that would be interesting to see yeah yeah like i said i'm gonna they said i'll put a camera back on that that scrape uh next year um and see what happens you know for sure i should get one of those cell cameras 
save me a trip walking back there. That's a, <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's a bear walking back there. Like it's one of those things. Like it's just like a, the trails. It's an old. Um, I guess it'd be some type of four wheel trailer before it became public, maybe or, or like an old cart road. Uh-huh. But it's like it goes in spots and stops, and then like starts and like big like erosion comes through. And it's just briars. Like you're like crawling your hands and knees, and the tide's up. Like you're crawling in, you know, like three inches of water. Like it's just. It's one of the spots, like, I know why people don't go back here, because it sucks. It's just straight sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, you're you're losing so much blood from all the sticker bushes. You know, you're getting chigger sticker bushes. Like, it's awful early season. Like, it's like, it's I hate it. I mean, I absolutely hate it. But it's one of those things, like, all right, the, the deer are back there. I, I got to get back there. There's no people, and there's a lot of day walker activity. And, of course, the year I hunt, it's just nothing. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I missed, maybe I just missed the boat. All them deer were killed. Yeah, died of old age. <laughs> he took the words out of him about that's right where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, you had a good so, year so, last year, dude. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, I killed uh, early season. I shot a doe that was first time, first sit of the year for me. I went to Montana, and so I didn't hunt the first three weeks of season. First morning out, it was kind of rainy. This doe came in and she was limping, fell over a log, and I shot her. You know, she ran like ten yards. I went up to her and somebody shot her an expandable, high in the shoulder, broke her shoulder, was like infected. Um, so yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then I shot that buck, and then I was in PA and I lost a big deer, which kind of hurt. And then. I you know, got lucky enough to make the second opportunity on a buck count a few days later. And that deer was a, a tank, you know, and had a few good encounters in November here, a split main beam buck, but it came out so fast. It was, he wouldn't score well, but he had double main beams on the one side. I'm like, I'm shooting that deer. And like, I see him like, ah, I grabbed the bow and he's gone. And I'm like, where'd he go? Wait, where'd he go? And he's going like instantaneous. I'm like, all right, yep, that's how it's going to go. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's, you know, and then that's some warm weather. Like, we had some cold weather and I had a week off in the middle of November and it was just hot and deer were just, just not much going on. It was, it was pretty crappy um, as far as buck movement. You know, the, the cameras were good. I was just always in the wrong spot when they were day walking. You know, I pulled the cameras. I'm like, hey, I was hunting 100 yards. I was hunting 100 yards in that spot. Awesome. Look, three bucks come through. Woo. Great. I'll just scratch it off as a wrong spot, wrong time. <laughs> yeah, proof of concept, but, uh, you know, yeah. wrong application. Yeah, and I, uh, one thing I did this year, too, I started, like, data logging all my cameras uh, for, like, the month of November. And we had, like, a, a three-day here in Jersey, I'm going to try and hunt, always have those three days off. It's uh, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. All day walker on like four different properties. I had cameras, and I had day walking, like good bucks, day walking. Uh, and that was pretty much the most activity I had on the day-wise. So I'm like, hmm. And usually I'm, I'm out of days by then. I'm usually working. So it's like, this year I changed my vacation schedule to give me that week vacation so I can take a couple days during that week. Um, but there were some really like 
big deer, like mature deer. So maybe they're just new to the area, you know, and they're making mistakes. Like, I don't know. I'm just like I said, I'm, I'm new to the whole rut game, especially like late November. Usually I'm like not in the woods because I'm working. But this year, uh, I learned a little bit from the cameras. Yeah. I, 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 next year. I am like going full bore into cameras. Like I, I, as especially as a weekend warrior, especially as a dude that doesn't get to hunt very often, um, it helps me stay on top of the animals and start establishing those patterns. You know, yeah, yes, I may yep. miss them this year, but uh, I've found that areas that have a deer moving in early October always seem to have deer moving in early October, and so, yep. um, you know, I bounce those cameras around, get that intel, and it helps me make uh, make the most of the weekend. Yeah, and I mean, if you use cameras for that situation, because a lot of Spots I've, I've ran cameras for years before I actually hunt. Like, put a camera out and you get a picture of a buck, like, the first couple of days. For me, it's always been, like, a luck. It was just the right place, right time camera. But, and then you never see it. It was, like, one picture. Like, if I'm not getting numerous pictures of bucks or the same bucks or, like, mature bucks, like, day walking or, like, really close to day walking at gray light, you know, I, I, especially when I'm going to be hunting nearby, like, I don't even bother wasting my time. You know, 2 a.m. pictures in a spot that I've like over a scrape or like out of a bedding area, I'm not even going to waste my time. That's where cameras come into play. Like you can just eliminate it. Like, all right, historically speaking, this spot's awful. It's all nighttime, nighttime movers. Like, and I've been guilty, you know, I've been found guilty, I guess, of trying to make, I think every hunter has trying to make a spot better than what it really is. (laughs) Yeah, you, know, you get a picture of a buck with a buck me. This, this is it. This is going to be, and you hunt it like five times. You see like a squirrel, and it's like, this is not it. Yeah. Not it. <laughs> Rules are wrong. Abort. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Chase, do you have any, any, any uh, follow-up questions to any of that? Or questions of your own? Uh, not. I mean, did you learn, did you have any lessons like equipment-wise or anything this year, Greg, that you can share? Uh, um, I, I changed my, I, I bought a new bow, carbon, a carbon bow. Um, and I, I bought it for a elk hunting basically for, for carrying. And I did all my shooting with my quiver all like a tight spot quiver. It's pretty well balanced but on the saddle or, you know, or tree stand. I don't shoot with a quiver on. So for me, I need to either get another bow for a whitetail, you know, or practice uh, with this bow without the quiver on. Because it's, it's definitely a little lighter when it's not way down. It's a little too light for me. And I know on, on that doe I shot, like, it was you know, not my best shot, you know, because the bow is so light. I'm like, man, and I never really shot without the quiver off. So it was like, whoa, the sit still pin. It was too light, so... That's, uh, you know, it's easy to say it's not going to bother me. I mean, I've been shooting a long time. I'm a good shot, but that's one thing I, I fault myself on is not shooting enough from the whitetail standpoint, you know. And I didn't really change out, much, out uh, much besides that. I love the bow. It's great. You know, I just need to, if I'm going to shoot it, this bow next year for whitetails, I need to, bounce it out, weigh it down a little bit more, um, you know, put a different quiver on it and maybe put some more stabilizer weights on it 
to give me the, the right weight I need. Right. Yeah, I noticed that the first time I bought a carbon bow. <laughs> I'd pull it back, and I'm like, man, I can't get this pin to sell. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's for elk hunting was great. You know, the bows, I mean, I was shooting great with it. And you got to Montana, like up and down the mountains. It's awesome. It was cold. We got wicked cold weather. I'm like, man, my hand, I got finger gloves on. I don't need to put a giant mitten on anymore because it just don't get cold. I'm like, this is it. Like, I love carbon for that. But it is a smidgen light. You know, so it's like, all right, next year I'll I'll make some changes to that. Uh, yeah, that doe and, you know, I won't say I got lucky, but, yeah, that, that could have went south real fast, that <laughs> shot. You know, she was already injured to begin with, and not practicing without the quiver on could have been, you know, not the outcome I wanted. So sure, I uh, I won't make that mistake, and I shouldn't have made that mistake in the first place, but I did, and, you know. It's kind of lame, I guess. <laughs> right on, man. What about you guys? You guys make changes? I, I'm desperately trying not to make changes to any gear. I'm trying to be happy with what I've got because <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bought a bow, but I, I like I said, same thing. It was just kind of tweaking it to get it to <laughs> where you feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm trying to um eliminate unnecessary stuff too like in my gear like my bags like really downsize and what i bring in the woods and you know the my bag i got the super badland super day and i can literally fit everything i need in that pack which is nice crawling through the brush and i got nothing hanging out everything's inside the pack it's not nice and nice and uh i'm just getting hung up on brush you know, everybody's hunting up with a tree sitting in the back. You know, every vine's catching that little corner when you're walking in the dark, you know, ripping your back. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty nice. One one thing I'm going to utilize, I think, more this year, I guess I was lying when I said I'm trying not to change anything because I, <laughs> I am. I, I just, I guess I was thinking like bow and stuff, arrow set up, and I'm not tweaking any of that. But um, I am going to try and utilize the kayak more because there are some areas that um, – they aren't necessarily like hard to get to, but it's like getting to them without blowing out what's there seems to be kind of an issue. And so I'm going to try and approach some of those areas from the water and kind of like, I don't want to say I'm bed hunting because there's no beds there, but I'm bed like bedding area hunting where, you know, I'm yeah. trying to catch those deer coming through as they, you know, are coming back home. Yeah. Water access is always good. I've, I've shot a lot of deer with the water access and yeah, you can't go wrong with it, especially if you hunt. I mean, a lot of my spots with canoe, I literally just pull my canoe up and I'm hunting right at my canoe. So you're not crossing any deer trails, you're not doing anything. You're sneaking in, sneaking out. It's it's great for areas you can hunt a couple of days in a row because you're not crossing any deer trails. You know, so it's 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 pretty great. It's not so great when it's cold and you're doing all that work, and you're not seeing any deer. And it's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Well, man, I, I appreciate you taking time out your morning. I'm not going to hold you up from uh, from your dad life, but tell everybody where they can find you. Instagram, uh, Bo Hunt and Teen. That's you know, some YouTube, Bo Hunt and Teen. I don't, did a few videos in there recently. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. We're gonna. I'm going to no send a couple book. of our listeners your way. They hunt the salt marsh down in Florida. And it just dawned oh. on me uh, that there's probably some correlations. So 
maybe I can uh, blow up your Instagram with a couple of our uh, our regular yeah, followers. I uh, always wanted to kill deer in Florida. My uh, my old archery coach moved down there, Uh-oh. and he don't hunt. Yeah, he don't hunt no more. And he's like, I see deer. I was like, that's one place I would travel. You know, eighteen hours to shoot a deer, <laughs> uh, just because you know it's it's different. You know, and yeah. they're smaller deer, and people say they're hard to hunt. You know. So I was like, that's a challenge worth taking up. <laughs> that is the first time on the podcast anybody's ever said that. <laughs> well, and I could probably you know, convince my wife, hey, it's Florida. She'd probably oh, like, there go you go. Take the kids down there, you know, pull the camper down. I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to go hunting for a couple of days. <laughs> I'll be at the beach. You know, win, win. Yeah. That's right, yeah. man. That's right. Oh, well, yeah. maybe, maybe we can make that happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Hang on one second. I'm going to wrap this out. Guys. Thank you again. I, I do believe this is going to be the last of our Lessons of the Fall series, but it's been real popular. So next year, I think we're going to we're gonna maybe expand it a little bit, make it a little more in-depth uh, series. But uh, it's been fun uh, reaching out to people and figuring out what they've learned. So do me a favor. No matter what you do, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.